This is the EWN Radio Network. Welcome to On the Record with your host, Ashram Lux Lucis. All right, welcome to another episode of On the Record. I am your host, Astrum Lux Lucis. This week's very special guest is a lifelong performer and lover of all things on the stage. She holds a master's in vocal performance, a minor in speech pathology, and has performed in operas, musicals, cabaret shows, amusement park shows, and dinner theater at the local and professional levels. She not only coaches other singers and speakers, but she's a certified trainer in the bank code methodology, a personality profiling system that has been scientifically proven to predict buying behavior. That's something we all need to know, right? She combines her knowledge of the voice, stage experience, and years building her own business to help entrepreneurs and salespeople connect more powerfully with prospects and land more sales. Her mission is to help others stand in their power and be the voice of their passions. Please welcome Stephanie Bonte LaBear. Thanks, Astrum. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. It sounds like you've had an amazing life. And um, I was just thinking of, um, you know, from certain family members of mine who think that, you know, a, a degree in music is pretty useless. Um, I'm going <laughs> to say that I think you've proven that theory wrong because um, you've just taken uh, a degree in, in singing and brought it to a whole new level of something that um, I think most people wouldn't even think thought about. So, but before we kind of unfold this journey, let's start off with the little girl who had a dream. And what was that? I mean, cause I don't think you, you know, were like this little girl going, yeah, I'm going to grow up and be like a speaker and a, a speech coach and a, you know, all this that you are now. So what was your initial dream as a kid? Well, I have to tell you, for as long as I can remember, I mean, even when I was three years old, I remember singing songs. It was my favorite thing to do, was to sing songs. And I was lucky enough to have parents who put me into programs that helped foster the arts. And, you know, I just always had a knowing. It wasn't even a dream of mine where I was thinking off into the future. It was just a knowing I had inside me that I wanted to use my voice and do something powerful with the communication skills that I seem to innately possess. <laughs> um, hmm. And it was just something from an early age. I just understood that when I sang, people took notice. They paid attention to me. They were impressed by what was going on. And so I just took that little seed of interest that I saw in people and I just grew it and grew it and grew it. And it's become what it is today, which of course I could never have really imagined what I was going to create with everything. But I, I do know that I've always easily and naturally just been drawn to the arts, the performing arts, singing, acting. I've even played the flute. I was a drum major of the marching band. I did a little bit of everything going through school. And I always knew I was going to go to college and be a music major. And my parents were great because they saw the gift that I had and they just encouraged me. And they didn't try to talk me out of it or say, let's try something more practical or how are you going to make a living, you know. 
they just said, okay, great. We, we trust that you have a plan for yourself and this is what you love to do and we love to see you perform, so go for it. Wow, that's amazing. That Just to have, like, that parental support, I think, really can make or break a person. You know, not to necessarily say that you aren't your own person and you can decide for yourself in spite of what your parents have planned for you. But I think... Mm-hmm. What I've seen is people who really have the support of their parents, they go on to live their dreams. And those who don't have to fight this battle, you know, of uh, in their head of I'm not good enough or this isn't, you know, I need to be doing something different. And so that's awesome to see that you you were encouraged and you were allowed to be encouraged and, and fulfill your passion and, and take it to the to the level it is now. So. Um, as you're going through school, did things kind of get refined for you? Because you obviously went and you became a voice major, so you were thinking mm-hmm. um, singing of some kind, but then you've also done some acting. So how did you kind of start forming things as you started going through school? Well, I was lucky enough to go to a high school, first of all, that had a very strong arts program. So we were able to take – band and choir during school hours, which is something I don't really see much anymore. A lot of the teenagers I currently teach, they have to pick one or the other, either art or music or, you know, band or choir. But I was able to do everything. And so I was able to foster a lot of areas of the arts for myself in my high school years. And we had musicals. So I was in every single musical every year, and that includes acting and singing at the same time. So I was fostering those skills, you know, developing those skills with my teachers. And I wanted to go right to college and do that. So my parents, you know, they, not to say they never had concerns for me, because, of course, every parent wants their child to be successful. So I ended up first going to a very small private college called Iowa Wesleyan. And this was a college that gave me a very large scholarship as well. So mm. my parents felt like, okay, let's go here. It's small. You can handle it. We can afford it. But the only problem was is that Iowa Wesleyan was an education major school. It wasn't a performing school. So I was mm. still getting a lot of experience, but it was more, hey, let's prepare you to become a teacher in the public school system. And I did know pretty quickly after the first year of college that that was not what I wanted to do. I did not want to go into the public school system. I wanted to perform. So I ended up transferring to Illinois State University after two years at this small private college. And my parents were on board because they, they saw the passion that I had and the, and the drive that I had to do what I really loved. So even though they were a little concerned at first, they, they came around and then I got my master's, my bachelor's and my master's at Illinois State University, and that's where I really got the skills of acting and singing put together. We, they had a very strong drama department at Illinois State, and I was able to be in operas there and really just use my voice in ways I had never even realized that I could use it um, through you know, learning the classical method that I was taught and being able to sing roles like Rosalinda and Deflayer Mouse and things where your voice just has to be so well-trained and your stamina that requires to be able to sing operas night after night after night is not something that normal people can do. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that really took it to a whole new level for me in college. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I was a voice. Well, I wasn't a voice major, but I was a voice principal. I was actually a music business um, major when I was at the University of Miami, and uh, voice was my principal. And I, you know, and I'm a rock singer, so I was like, I was a little rebellious back then, and like, ah, I'm a rock. What do I need this for, you know? But I greatly <laughs> appreciate the training that I got now because, like you said, the stamina. I mean, even. Um, in just developing the stamina and, and using your voice properly, uh, you know, helps you from killing your, your voice, you know, and not having a voice. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, this is your host, Astrum Luxlusis. Did you know this show is totally funded by donations and sponsors? Yes, listener support and sponsor ads is how On the Record stays on the air. I've produced and hosted over 40 shows since July of 2015, and next month marks our one-year anniversary. It also marks contract renewal time, and I need to raise $12,000 to keep on the record, on the air, for another year. If you've enjoyed the amazing conversations I've shared with some of the most prominent and successful women in the music and entertainment industry, then please consider making a donation or buying a sponsor spot today. Contact me at astrum at ontherecord.rocks for more information. Again, that's astrum at ontherecord.rocks. Help me keep On The Record on the air for another year. Did you know that how you use your voice and what it sounds like can dramatically affect your ability to connect with your audience? If you are a speaker, coach, trainer, or entrepreneur, Leverage Your Voice to Sell is a step-by-step program that helps you build a voice you can rely on Speak with more clarity and confidence and captivate your audience every time you speak. You can take $100 off with the code EWOMEN. Just visit EmpowerYourVoice.com to get started today. And we're back with Stephanie bonte LeBaire. Talk about, uh, because this is like one of my areas of um, contention is practicing because it's a lot of practice. And it takes a lot of discipline to do that practice. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you've done? Because you're, it seems you're very obviously very driven, you know. And I don't think practice is fun for most people. I, maybe you're like one of those anomalies that like really enjoys practicing. <laughs> but like for me to get up and do my vocal warm ups every day, it's it's like pulling teeth. Mm-hmm. So what what are some ways that that you you know do your your routine every day and and you know motivate yeah. yourself to do it you know Yeah that's a great question and it's also one of the foundational things that I teach because how you use your voice all the time is practice So when you're speaking mm. all day long you're practicing You can't really divide up okay now I'm going to practice singing Well if you been speaking a certain way all day long and using your instrument in a certain way for speaking and it is inhibiting you in some way or has tension or is creating bad habits, you can't expect yourself to then be able to turn around and sing some vocal exercises and be able to get it very quickly. Mm. So what I really teach is the foundation of the method is how do you use your voice all the time? Because that's practice. And as you talk to people on the phone, as you interact with friends and family, if you're using your voice in a certain way, well, then you're practicing yourself. You're already practicing. You're setting yourself up for what you do when then you go in to sing a song. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is 
when you have that really strong foundational technique, it allows you to do so many other styles. So you sing rock. Mm-hmm. You can do that if you have that strong technique. You can sing opera. You can sing rock. You can sing um, jazz. You can sing pop. It doesn't matter what the style is. The style is like the icing on the cake. But the cake itself, is that's really how are you conscious about your voice when you speak because that's practice. And then how are you conscious when you move into singing? And, of course, there's vocal leases, there's exercises that can help you with certain things in your singing that are more specific and detail-oriented, but it all starts with the foundation. And that's usually the breathing, how you're using the space inside your body, and then whether or not your voice itself is healthy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm just like thinking about like the you know the, in college my voice teacher was also I guess a student um, like a grad student and and vocal teacher and they would they would always talk like this they'd all the opera singers would walk around talking like this and I'm like yeah I can't go around talking like that I'm, it's not gonna happen yeah. <laughs> you know? I had a college professor just like that too. <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's because sometimes that's what just feels good. Sometimes, especially yeah. in classical singing, if you're a soprano especially, you're you're in that part of your voice all the time. You're singing those higher notes all the time. So sometimes it goes into the, the speaking voice, and it just feels easier to speak in that pitch. But in all mm. honesty, you should be able to sound normal <laughs> when you're speaking. <laughs> And still use good technique and then go into singing and have it, you know, not be so dramatically different. Let's check out this clip of Stephanie singing Vanilla Ice Cream. Cream, cream, 
And that was our guest, Stephanie Bonte LaBerre, singing Vanilla Ice Cream. So what would be like one tech tip or technique that you could offer? Like, like for me, for example, I tend to talk really low. And then Mm -hmm. I realized after a while that it's kind of hard to talk low. Like by the end of the day, sometimes if I've been talking a lot um, and I'm not conscious of, oh, you're talking too low. Or even like if you're at a club trying to talk to people, which is the worst ever. um, And I try not to talk at all, but sometimes you have to. What's something that a person can do to get so that they're not straining their voice when they're talking? Yeah, so the magic combination is really how you're using your breath, the support system, how you're setting the space inside your throat specifically, but also in the mouth and the nasal cavities, and then how intensely you are using your voice itself. So when we get in those situations, for example, you're in a noisy room, and you start to, sc- to kind of go into screaming mode. And screaming mm. mode means you start to pressurize the air inside your throat by tightening up the throat space and really pushing that air through the vocal folds harder than you need to. That creates strain over time. Same thing with speaking too low. If you're speaking too low, most often it's because you're not using enough breath support and the energy is down. So you Mm. start to kind of lower the pitch of your voice and you start talking a little lower. And so if you're not conscious of your breath, that will create strain and fatigue. So you want to pay attention to fatigue and strain because it's not normal. If you are someone who uses your voice frequently, which you you do, I I consider you a vocal athlete. So just like athletes use their bodies more intensely and therefore they have to take care of them, they have to be more aware of how they're using their body for their sport, singers are the same way and speakers, frequent speakers. Your instrument is your body. You want to make sure that you take care of it and that you're paying attention to any signals it may be giving you that it's time to rest or that you've overused it or that perhaps you're doing something that you need to correct. So it's not normal to have fatigue. It's not normal for you to be at the end of the day to be tired and to say, my voice sounds different now than it did when I woke up this morning. So that combination of how you're breathing, how you're setting the space, and then if your voice is healthy, you know, you're not pressurizing, you're not trying to scream through it. Um, those are the the main focuses I use with my students. So, for example, just really easy exercise is to take your hands and put them on your lowest rib cage on the side. So when most people breathe, first of all, they don't even think about breathing. It's an unconscious behavior. They go through the day and they never really – think about their inhalation and their exhalation. So the first step is to become conscious. The second step is to think about breathing more in the core of your body. Now, I know your lungs are housed inside your rib cage, and and they're quite long, but most people tend to breathe shallow, and they're in the upper part of their body. So maybe their shoulders will move up and down, or their chest will move up and down a little bit, but they don't really think about the expanding in that lower part of your body where your lowest ribs are. So this is where I would invite you to bring your attention to and see when you inhale, if you can move those ribs out and away from your body to the side. So if you just put your hands, find those ribs and just inhale and try to get those ribs to move out to the side, feel a stretch and then release. Yeah. It's it's almost like not normal. (laughs) It's not normal. Most people don't use that. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they don't use that part of their body, but it's a low breath. It feels like you're really filling your body up. At least that's what mm-hmm. it feels like to me. So how did it feel yeah. to you? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah, almost it's, like, oh, yeah, like you don't normally breathe, do you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You should start you breathing more. Of, <laughs> exactly. You take a couple of those types of breaths when you are singing or speaking, you'll start to change how you use your air. Mm. And then after that, it's about the exhalation. So that was the inhalation. Now the exhalation is all about the abdominal wall. So people, when they think of, I need to sing from my diaphragm, I hear this all the time, I'm singing from my diaphragm. Really what's happening is you're inhaling with your diaphragm. Your diaphragm is your inhalation muscle. It brings air into your lungs. Your exhalation muscle is your, diaph- or your abdominal wall. It's your sit-up muscle, your tummy muscle, your scrunch muscle. So this muscle is what helps give you power when you speak. It allows you, if you're using this muscle when you speak or sing, it allows you to have stamina through the day, to be able to talk for longer periods of time, to be able to be heard when you're in a noisy room, when you're in a a restaurant or you're at a party and you can't hear very well. This is the muscle that you really want to put your attention on as you use your voice. So what I do for an exercise for this one is to inhale, just like we did, and then I want you to imagine you're doing a really hard and tight sit-up, but you're not going to scrunch your shoulders downward and inward. You're going to keep yourself nice and tall, and then you're going to make an SH sound. So it's a really intense SH sound, but you're squeezing your tummy like you're really giving it a nice squeeze up and into your body. So you can try that. Let's try it together. It's always a good okay. exercise just to kind of get a feeling. So put your All hands right. on those low ribs again, and I want mm-hmm. you to feel that low inhalation, and then squeeze an SH. Really hard. And feel that tummy muscle squeeze, 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 yeah. squeeze. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's a muscle mm-hmm. that you want to be using for any type of extended talking or singing. So those are just a couple tips for, for helping you kind of get through um, a noisy situation or give you a little bit more stamina. Yeah, yeah. And I think kind of the ironic thing with that is is um, when you're out in public and stuff, you're probably like sucking in your stomach <laughs> to begin with, you know? <laughs> yes. And, you're going to be know, pulling that belly women. fat. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're yeah. told to hold it in, right? Hold it in. And actually yeah. dancers can sometimes be challenged with this too because dancers hold their cores in. Mm-hmm. So it's important yeah. that you have flexibility there, that you're allowed to release it, allow the air to come into the body in a relaxed state, and then be able to utilize those muscles so that you have the power. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, this is your host, Astrum Luxlusis. Did you know this show is totally funded by donations and sponsors? Yes, listener support and sponsor ads is how On the Record stays on the air. I've produced and hosted over 40 shows since July of 2015, and next month marks our one-year anniversary. It also marks contract renewal time, and I need to raise $12,000 to keep On the Record on the air for another year. If you've enjoyed the amazing conversations I've shared with some of the most prominent and successful women in the music and entertainment industry, then please consider making a donation or buying a sponsor spot today. Contact me at astrum at ontherecord.rocks for more information. Again, that's astrum at ontherecord.rocks. Help me keep On the Record on the air for another year. Never has there been a better time for women to hack success. 
the shift is on and the breakthroughs are real. We're taking success to a whole nother level. Join us at the Women's Success Summit, a gathering of dynamic, smart women helping women. We want to learn about you and what you have to offer. Bring your A-game and be prepared to transact some business. Oh, and by all means, dress to impress. Register at eWomenNetwork.com. And we're back with Stephanie Bonte LaBerre. So now you're you're um, you're doing some stuff in in the the colleges and musicals and stuff like that, and there was a big move for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, small town girl going to the big city. Talk about what what was this decision behind that, and and how was that for you? Well, I have to tell you, um, the universe has an interesting way of changing course for you, for, for people. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was a dramatic relationship change that caused me to move to New York City. Hmm. So I was, I got my master's degree and I actually got married very young. I was married at 20. And I you know, came from a very small town where it was not unusual to get, to get engaged and get married young and start a family young. I came from rural Illinois I grew up in a town of less than 9,000 people. My high school had 300 people total in it. And, you know, I ended up at a university um, that had, you know, a fairly substantial population in it, which was a a change in itself. But I I met another boy from Iowa who was in a small town, and and we sort of had similar ideas of what it meant to, to grow up and start a family and um, luckily for me, we didn't actually have kids, but uh, we did get married, and that relationship pretty much ended before I got my graduate degree. Hmm. And I was heartbroken. I thought to myself, this wasn't what I had planned out for my life. But in all honesty, if I had stayed there and married to him, I probably would have had kids. I would not have moved to New York. I would have just, you know, maybe started a little private voice studio in my house and, and raised kids and lived happily ever after, maybe. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So um, the divorce and the separation and everything, I, I just had to take a long, hard look at myself and say, okay, what is it that you really want, Stephanie? Because I, I felt like I got sidetracked by this marriage. And I was really trying to create what I wanted, but being told by this person who I thought loved me, you know, he was basically saying, you can't follow your dreams. We have to get practical. You have to support me. I'm the one who has to make the money. And I was like, no, that's not going to happen. I, I need to sing. So wow. I had yeah. a friend uh, I had a friend who had graduated a year ahead of me, and she called me from New York City. She was living in New York City, and she said, oh, I'd love it here. Um, there's so much going on. And immediately in my head I said, that's what I have to do. I have to move to New York City. It was like a little message in my head just said, oh, you're moving to New York City. So <laughs> I researched, immediately researched, how do I find an apartment? How do I get a job? Because I, I I definitely need to be able to pay for, you know, an apartment while I'm living there and deciding what I want to do next. And I did it all myself. I, I did freak my parents out just a little bit. I have to admit in that moment they were like, you're going to do what? <laughs> <laughs> so, and I did. I drove my, my little Ford. I had a little Ford uh, uh, Escort that I drove to New York City, and I got a three-month sublet in Queens so I could get my bearings and decide what I was going to do and where I was going to live. And I had an interview at a law firm, which this is also kind of funny. My very first interview in New York City was at an entertainment law firm where they had high-powered attorneys who were attorneys for Broadway shows. Oh, wow. 
Yes. And I interviewed for that job, and they made me an offer on the spot. It was my first interview and my last interview. I had a job right away working for an entertainment attorney as, an, as his assistant, which was perfect because it meant that he understood what I was trying to do. He was really great about letting me take extra long lunch hours if I wanted to go to an audition. He came to see me perform because I was performing in New York. I lived there for three years. So I was performing in opera, musicals, cabaret. I sang on Restaurant Row. I, I did some workshops, some equity workshops and things at the Manhattan Theater Club. And, and he would come watch me, and it was, it was fantastic. And I also got tickets to Broadway shows because the new shows he was working on, he would get tickets for. And I was just living a grand old life um, of, yeah. you know, pursuing my dream and doing what I love. But all because, you know, I really – you know, my marriage had just fallen apart, and it was just the impetus for me to just do what I was really meant to do. Wow, that's awesome. And then so you started getting some Broadway shows and and doing some appearances there. Yeah, so I was never on Broadway, Broadway, but I definitely okay. did some off-off-Broadway things, and I was performing in Manhattan. So I was definitely in theaters in Manhattan, working with composers. Almost everything I did was brand new. So there are a lot of composers that are living in New York and they're trying out new material and they're, they're, they're doing workshops and, and different things. And so there's actually a lot to do besides being on Broadway. There's a ton of performing opportunities. So I was performing quite a bit, almost all the time, and, and really doing brand new works, which was really exciting for me because it was almost like I was doing world premieres constantly. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, and and yeah. creating the characters myself. You know, I wasn't trying to recreate a character someone else had, had already done. It was, it was like, here's a new opera. Here's the role. You know, make it your own. Let's let's put it up. And, you know, the runs were usually short. They would be two or three weekends at a time because they were experimental things and they were out there trying to, to create the next, you know, hit or whatever. So, um, but it was fun. It was exciting, and and I met a lot of wonderful people, and and got to um, you know just have have so much fun. I mean, that's really what it was for me. I was in my twenties, you know, so I was having a lot of fun on many mm-hmm. levels. I made a lot of friends, and and uh, single in New York in your twenties, that you know really can't get better than that. Let's check out a clip of Stephanie's speaker reel. If you speak professionally. You have to come to a workshop that Stephanie gives. Don't think that you know everything. You need to come and always improve your voice. One of the things that vocal technique will do is retrain your thoughts. What is the habit that you want to have in your mental preparation when you speak? It needs to be about how you're going to present, the content of your presentation, conscious awareness around your body and how you feel, how you connect in with your emotion, and there's no room for anything else. There's no room for, I hope they like me. I feel so much more confident I will be able to move forward with my dreams. Here I am, a singer. Might also surprise you to know that if two years ago, if you had come up to me and said, Stephanie, guess what? You're going to start speaking to people about how their voice can be a powerful tool for their business and their life and fulfilling their dreams, and you're going to talk to groups I would have said, huh, no, I'm not. I am an actress. People give me a script. I memorize my lines. I can get a piece of sheet music. I learn my song. And we practice that stuff. We have rehearsals. I'm not going to get up in front of people and have to wing it. What if I don't say the right thing? What if I can't remember what comes next? What if I look like an idiot? 
I know I'm confident as a singer. I know that people love it when I sing. But if I start speaking, then they're going to see who I really am. And I don't think that's going to be a pretty sight. But what I started to realize is there's a lot of things I already knew how to do. They were very much translatable to becoming a speaker. And I believe these things all exist in the rest of you as well. And that was Stephanie's speaker reel. So the whole time you were in New York, were you working for the entertainment attorney? Or was there a point that came where you were making money doing your performances and stuff? Yeah, I made some money performing, but I never gave up the day job because um, it was so expensive, first of all, to live in New York. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. life of, a, of an actress, even if you land a Broadway show, which bless them, you know, when they do, it's not guaranteed forever. You know, when you're on yeah. Broadway, you have a contract that lasts a certain number of weeks. And you don't know if that show is going to make it. You don't know when you're going to get your notice or if they're going to renew you into a, another contract. So it's, it's quite a, um, a little bit of a harrowing way to live in such an expensive city. I had to make sure that I could stay there. And I had, you know, it was great. I had some flexibility. He was really understanding about my, my dreams and what I wanted to create for myself. And, and I was able to do a lot of things that didn't require a lot of daytime um, rehearsals. So I was able to basically evenings and weekends perform pretty much all the time and, and be able to manage both. Wow. And so, I mean, part of it's probably because you were in your 20s, but you were probably putting in like 80 hours a week between, you know, the day job and then the extra curricular stuff, you know? So what were you doing to kind of manage, you know, your energy levels and, and balance your time and and finding self, you know, finding time for yourself and and all that? Because that sounds like just go, 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 you know? Well, I have to tell you the, the, the performing the evening and the weekends, that was where my joy was. It didn't mm. feel like work to me. It didn't feel, mm-hmm. it felt like the exciting fun time. Like I would get off at five o'clock and I would go to my rehearsal all excited. Like, okay, now it's fun time. You know, yeah. I worked for my attorney all day. I've answered phones and, and it was, that job was fun in its own way too, because they had a lot of very famous people who were clients. So mm. I was talking to actors. I was talking to Broadway producers. I was talking to a lot of people in the industry on the phone. So that had its own, excitement but of course it was an administrative job right it was not where my heart lied so but being able to go to rehearsals and sing and make friends and perform that was fun you know I didn't really feel that you know it was too much for me Um, the day job was the fuel for me to be able to do everything else that I wanted to do and you know I had vacation I had a, a I had a fairly decent amount of vacation uh even as a starting out as a brand new employee at that firm so i took it where i could and 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 managed it that way but mostly it was just a lot of fun yeah yeah so after new york what happened so when i was living in my third end of my third year in new york city i ended up meeting my current husband on match.com 
And we started chatting, and we didn't realize at the time that he had forgotten to put how many miles from his zip code he wanted to search. And so he, my face had come up with a new face, and he didn't realize <laughs> that I didn't live anywhere near him. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and again, the universe has its own kind of funny way of bringing things about, right? Yeah. So it took a while for us to realize that he was in, living right outside D.C., and I was in Manhattan, and, and he travels for his job. So he decided he would travel through New York City a couple times, and that's when we started sort of this long-distance relationship. But it became clear pretty quickly that we we just wanted to be together. And so I'd had this really great run in New York for three years, and I was doing a lot of things I loved. But I also knew that, number one, I can sing anywhere. It doesn't matter where I am. I can always find something. And I've always been confident enough that I will create my own opportunities if opportunities do not exist. So if I feel like, hey, I want to sing in an acapella group, I'll just create it myself <laughs> mm-hmm. rather than try to find other people to, to make it for me. So I was pretty confident that I would be able to just continue forward and just it might look a little different, but it would still, you know, it would still be viable for me. And I also know that D.C. is a hot spot for live theater. It's the place where a lot of Broadway shows come to do trial runs. So oh, we have wow. a lot of professional theaters down here. We have Signature Theater and Arena Stage and places that basically are tryouts for Broadway. And they'll take their shows here, put them up, and then sometimes they move to Broadway. So there's lots of opportunities down here, and not to mention there's over 40. I want to, think, I want to say there's maybe 42, at least 42 community theaters in wow. the D.C. metro area. So beyond the professional theaters, there's just a huge theater, you know, community here, um, which I didn't know the full extent of when I decided to marry my husband, but I had an inkling because I, you know, I always saw the audition posts, um, you know, that said, you know, audition in Virginia and audition in D.C., whatever, so. Mm. So, yeah, so I, so I moved. I moved to Maryland, right outside of uh, Washington, D.C., in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, this is your host, Ashton Luxlusis. Did you know this show is totally funded by donations and sponsors? Yes, listener support and sponsor ads is how On the Record stays on the air. I've produced and hosted over 40 shows since July of 2015, and next month marks our one-year anniversary. It also marks contract renewal time, and I need to raise $12,000 to keep on the record, on the air, for another year. If you've enjoyed the amazing conversations I've shared with some of the most prominent and successful women in the music and entertainment industry, then please consider making a donation or buying a sponsor spot today. Contact me at astrum at ontherecord.rocks for more information. Again, that's astrum at ontherecord.rocks. Help me keep on the record, on the air, for another year. Hi, I'm Dr. Mae Seibel, a leading authority on women's wellness and menopause. When my wife Sharon had her ovaries removed to prevent cancer, she was immediately thrown into early menopause. She needed estrogen to relieve her symptoms, but her doctors weren't sure if it was safe or if it would cause breast cancer. I had to know the truth. After years of research, I discovered there was an estrogen window, a window of opportunity to take estrogen that lowers disease risk and increases estrogen's effectiveness on symptoms. 
I realize there are millions of other women who are also confused and fearful of taking estrogen. That's why I wrote The Estrogen Window, which just hit number one bestseller status on Amazon. Find out what women are so excited about. Order your copy now at estrogenwindowbook.com. And we're back with Stephanie Bonte LeBear. What did you end up creating for yourself as you moved there? Well, the first thing I did is I just researched all the local theaters. And so mm-hmm. then I started the audition circuit. So I started auditioning. And my very first role I landed when I got here was um, a show, Into the Woods. I, I got to play the role of Cinderella in Into the Woods with a, a local theater company. So I jumped on that right away because I wanted to just make sure I got on stage as fast as I could. And then I also had a day job, right? I was still in the day job mode of I mm-hmm. need to bring in income. So I worked at a law firm in Washington, D.C., again, for some big high-powered attorneys, only this time it wasn't as interesting. They were more corporate attorneys. So, um, the job was not as uh, you know, flashy <laughs> in that respect. But it was still nice. I was working for uh, you know, a managing partner, and she had some big clients, and and it had its own, you know, perks. And if I worked late, I could take a car service home, things like that, you know. So that kind of appealed to my A style, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, way of being. But it, it became clear to me um, after a couple of years of doing as much theater as I could with still holding down a day job that I needed to make a decision. And honestly, um, the decision was not of my choice. Once again, I was um, – I had actually gotten another job – closer to home working for a financial firm and I was laid off. So when I was laid off, I said, okay, I'd already had a a vocal studio. I'd already started a small vocal studio where I was teaching singers on the side. I was performing in shows, teaching a few students, but it felt more like, you know, fun money. Like, okay, here's stuff we can put away for our vacation and Christmas presents and, and whatever. It wasn't really a viable source of income. So when I was laid off, I said, okay, now I need a viable source of income. We have to, I have to do something. And I don't want to go back to another day job. I do not want to have to um, feed my true passion with something that takes 40 hours out of my week and sort of drains my energy. So I immediately started just first bumping up the number of students that I was teaching. And I was performing so much that I was very word of mouth. It was, people would always ask me all the time, do you teach lessons? You know, can I... I have a lesson. So it was very easy for me to quickly build that studio up. But I also knew that I didn't want to teach 30 private lessons a week. And at at one point I was. I was teaching probably 30 individual students a week, which I have to tell you takes a lot more energy than sitting at a desk being an administrative assistant. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So, Yeah. yeah. So I realized that something had to shift. And what happened there was a, a friend invited me to a networking event with eWomen Network. And she said, okay. Sandra, this woman, Sandra Yancey's coming to town. And I hear that she's a really great speaker. And why don't you just come with me to this event? And I thought, it's on a Friday. Do I really have to do that? But she was my friend. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I go to my first eWomen Network meeting with Sandra Yancey. And something just completely shifted inside me. I said to myself, oh, my gosh, all of these women are doing what they love. They're pursuing their dreams. They're creating businesses. I've got a business just like them. 
but I know I could be doing something more with this. I know that there's something even bigger than just teaching voice lessons to teenagers and some adults. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Santa just really inspired me. I was just, I was just blown away. So I immediately signed up to be a member. I signed up for the national conference. I was all in. I got my free coaching sessions that you get when you become a member. And I was like, okay, what do I need to do? I want to know what my next step is. How can I create something? And the ver- that very day that I signed up for everything, I met a, um, a woman, Rebecca Zook, who had a mentor. And she said, let me tell you about my mentor. And she gave me her name and her, and her website. She said, you might want to look into her. And I did. And I ended up signing up for one of her coaching programs almost within probably a couple weeks. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a quick start, just so you know. I, I, I get an idea, mm-hmm. and if I like it, I just go. Yeah. There's so no other way to be. This, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so this mentor really helped me, you know, decide what my next steps were going to be and help me get in tune with what I'm really here to do. And I think that this whole journey for me has, you know, from just as a little girl, just knowing what I wanted to do, that I wanted to sing, I wanted to use my voice, I wanted to be in front of people, to performing as much as I possibly could, to helping other people learn how to sing, the next step really was, what is the bigger picture here around me and my voice and my communication skills and my desire to be seen and heard in the world? Hmm. Because I always had that desire, but I wasn't always sure how to express it in the world or how to utilize it in the world. And so the clarity that I have been getting in the last couple of years ever since I joined Weedy Women and I've started to change the focus of my business and bring in different pieces, including working with speakers and getting up on stages and speaking to larger groups of people is really all about the, the bigger communication piece and the piece of how your voice is your most powerful tool to create what you want to create in the world. It is energy that carries your thoughts, feelings, and emotions out into the world through the air, and it touches people. I mean, the sound waves that you create with your voice actually touch people. And so it's really important that how you use your voice is a reflection of your intentions and your desires and everything that you want to create in the world so that when people hear your voice, when they hear your message, when they experience, they experience your energy, that they get you. They really know mm. who you are so you can make that bigger impact. And that I never would have in a million years thought to myself, you know, how big and how important the tool of your voice can be on so many aspects of your life, not just do you want to be on stage and be a star, but do you want to create whatever it is you want to create and be able to communicate it in a way that really impacts people. So there's a physical voice and there's the mental voice and there's the emotional voice and the spiritual voice. And those Mm. three things together are really what allows you to create whatever it is you want to create. Wow. That's like, that's pretty deep. Like, you know, I'm inside of a practice right now that, you know, it kind of talks about, you know, your thoughts become things and then they're fueled by emotions and that that's what brings them into manifestation. But that right there just like took that to a whole new level of, of yeah. 
comprehension for me. And I'm just like, I'm kind of a little bit blown away right here. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, that was intense. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And yeah. what I like to, uh, this is sort of something that's come to me recently is I ask the question of people who are not singers, I'll say, what song are you speaking? Everyone has a song inside mm-hmm. them, right? That was my gift with songs, especially musicals. That's, you know, I was classically trained opera singer, but musicals were my gift. I've sung so many musicals, so many leading roles in musicals. Song is my gift. But everyone has a gift. Everyone has a song inside them. It's not always expressed like it was for me, but everyone has a song because they're using their voice. And when you speak, it's music. If we don't perceive it as music because we're going through the pitches so quickly when we speak. But mm-hmm. honestly, it is. It's a song, and you're putting out a song. And just like... You know, people like rock music or classical or whatever songs they prefer, when they hear the sound of your voice, they make judgments, and oftentimes they're unconscious Mm, of whether or not they like what you're saying. And a lot of it has to do with the sound of your voice and how you're presenting your material. Not so much what the actual words are that you're using, but the combination of everything behind the words. So, you know, you can't just look at it face value. It just has so many layers to it. Um, and that's yeah. really the deeper work that I'm, I'm really doing with my, with my clients. That's very powerful. Uh, because, you know, you'll hear people say, like, oh, I just didn't like the way he sounded, you know, or whatever. Oh, yeah. When they're Absolutely. talking about somebody and, and it's just, you just really defined what that is. And that's pretty cool. And now you've like yeah. made a business out of it, which is even cooler, you know? Yes, it is cool. <laughs> yeah. Sure. yeah. 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 And so now I get the same feeling on a stage. You know, I spoke at a, a Toastmasters uh, regional conference a couple weekends ago and um, I got the same feeling standing on that stage. It was like a nice big stage. I had like a huge screen behind me. I was all mic'd up. It felt like I was in a show. And I had the same feeling being able to speak to that group of people as I did singing a leading role in a, in a musical because of the energy and the intention that I had behind it and, and the knowledge that what I'm sharing with people, it goes so much deeper than just teaching you how to sing a song or teaching you how to be a better speaker. Um, just, you know, that knowing I have inside me is a reflection of sort of the inner work that I've been doing and also just the deeper purpose that is available to people when they're willing to, to go there. But I have to tell you, I mean, lots of people are not ready for the work that I do because you end up being seen and heard in the world in a bigger way. And as much mm. as people say they want fame and fortune, they say they mm-hmm. want a bigger business or say that they want all those things, they often sabotage themselves. I see it time yeah. and time again because being seen and heard is scary. You know, yep. it, it can really freak people out. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I've read or heard somewhere that like our biggest fear is not death. Our biggest fear is stepping into our power. Absolutely. Yeah. Our biggest fear is that we will actually succeed. Yeah. Yeah. And what's crazy? Happens then? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <That's> not... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. It is very crazy. And, but you know, it's so true and it's, it's interesting because even in my own, you know, you look at, I look at my own resume and I think, gosh, I've done so many wonderful things. 
But at the same time, there's been so many spots along the way where I have been so scared Mm. of what it means to be able to be in that role or to take that next step on the journey and had to, to really work through it to be able to get to the next level because, you know, it's just not as easy as I, I want it, therefore it will happen. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, this is your host, Astrum Luxlusis. Did you know this show is totally funded by donations and sponsors? Yes, listener support and sponsor ads is how On the Record stays on the air. I've produced and hosted over 40 shows since July of 2015, and next month marks our one-year anniversary. It also marks contract renewal time, and I need to raise $12,000 to keep On the Record on the air for another year. If you've enjoyed the amazing conversations I've shared with some of the most prominent and successful women in the music and entertainment industry, then please consider making a donation or buying a sponsor spot today. Contact me at astrum at ontherecord.rocks for more information. Again, that's astrum at ontherecord.rocks. Help me keep On The Record on the air for another year. Never has there been a better time for women to hack success. The shift is on and the breakthroughs are real. We're taking success to a whole nother level. Join us at the Women's Success Summit, a gathering of dynamic, smart women helping women. We want to learn about you and what you have to offer. Bring your A-game and be prepared to transact some business. Oh, and by all means, dress to impress. Register at eWomenNetwork.com. And we're back with Stephanie bonte LeBaire. What are some things that you've done to move through that fear? Well, I definitely feel that a lot of inner work has to happen. So getting clear about why, you know, there's a little girl inside all of us, right? And that little girl has had experiences along the way that have taught her to protect herself. Hmm. So that little girl inside me was all about, you know, if you're, if you're too bold, if you're too out there, your friends will leave you. That was the message that my little girl received mm. growing up. Because as much as I loved to sing and perform and be, be out there and do my thing, I often had a lot of challenges around friendships and relationships. So for me, I protect myself by saying, okay, I can be this bright, but if I get any brighter, then I might, I might lose some friends or some, some relationships. So let me tread this carefully. Mm. And as I've moved through my life, I realized that the more I step into my light, the more I'm able to be seen and heard and therefore available for those relationships. But it was a backwards thinking in my mind. Yeah. I really had to get clear, you know, as you move through those challenging times, you have to get really clear about what is it that you really want and how can you talk to that little girl inside yourself and say, no, this is not second grade. We are safe. <laughs> well, let's do this together. <laughs> you know, and then take a chance. And I, I do think I, I'm blessed with the, the personality type so that I'm just willing to take risks. I'm just willing to just take a chance. Mm-hmm. And being able yeah. to do that on a consistent basis is what's helped me work through those, those things, you know, in the most powerful yeah. way. 
Well, I was starting to get deep, and now we're at the end, and I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> so um, let's see if you can offer uh, offer us up any final words of wisdom on top of all that to just totally send us into the stratosphere. Well, I say, you know, the voice itself is such a powerful tool. Everyone has one. It's part of who you are. So the more you can get clear about what it is you're meant to, to, to say, the message that you're meant to share with people, the more powerful your voice will become. And if you're ready to take that next step, if you really are ready to be seen and be heard in a bigger way, take a chance. Do it. Take that next step. Push yourself outside your comfort zone. Say the things that you thought you would never be able to say. Test them out on people that are close to you. You know, but but work. Make your way through that process of being able to verbalize those things inside you that feel unattainable. Because when you can speak them, when you can say, "I'm willing to be," I'm open to how this can come about for me. I'm open to sharing this message with more and more people. You end up manifesting it in a much more powerful way, I have found, than any other tool in my toolbox. So, yeah, so take a chance and and go for it. Use your voice. Say what you need to say. Well, folks, that wraps up another episode of On the Record. Tune in next week. 